Hello, this is episode 380 of the Purple Psychology Podcast. I'm Nisha Riley. So there's a lot colliding for me at the moment. I've been recording a lot of my journey in the subscription space and making some of that available to my Patreons as well. I go through periods where I find a greater gap between where I'm at and where some people are around me. And there's always a great acceptance for me in that I don't feel better or beyond. I just feel in a different place, which is why I started to record some of that as a, as a sort of a, a starseed journey. There are aspects of that that speak to me, but yet I still haven't found the right language around it. And I find that increasingly, the more that I dissect it, there is a sort of unwritten supremacy within it. People in Gaza at the moment are not dying. They're not just simply dying. They're suffering. They're suffering a great deal. And that's very hard to fathom. It's very hard to account for. I recorded another podcast, I think only last week, on the challenges of being Jewish in my authentic space. And I recognise that, and I recognise I took the historical journey within that. But I am finding the narrative difficult on my social media, particularly on my Facebook, from people who are not even prepared to try to look under the surface tentatively to the few roots of why we might be here and who are only prepared to focus on the suffering of the hostages. And I'm so thankful that there is finally a mediation process taking place there rather than just let's go in and flatten everything approach. But I really can't fathom how they can't acknowledge the sheer suffering that is taking place in Gaza currently. And so for me, I'm finding that difficult. I think it's the part that I'm finding most difficult at the moment. I don't know how anybody can look at what's taking place and not really feel that. And when people start to complain about not being able to go out on a Saturday night, not feeling safe because of anti-Semitism. I'm going to like, you have the luxury of going out on a Saturday night. You have the luxury of carrying on here. There are people not eating. There are people with nowhere to live, with just disease and horrific sanitation, horrific fear, horrific trauma. It's just unfathomable. And, I, and, and those are the, the narratives that I found most difficult to not respond to. At these moments, I find that people become incredibly self-absorbed. And I've seen this sort of in every area of, of my life at the moment and in my work. I think people become hyper-focused on themselves they, they come with an expectation for you to do things that they're not doing themselves. And you're kind of sitting there sort of looking at them going, are you, are you kind of connecting here, you know? 
Sorry, there was an extended pause there as um, a perfect demonstration of what I'm talking about. So my neighbor is out collecting all of the dog poop that is accumulated while she's been away. The dogs haven't really been walked, so they're feeling pretty tense and agitated at this point. And some other dogs who were going for a walk who went past because her dogs were being really aggressive. She shouted at their owners because they basically existed and, you know, were happily going for a walk on the beach off the lead. And, um, and of course, it's all their fault, you know, the, the fact that her dogs are completely aggressive and pick her out with everything that goes past and for pauses. Completely incidental, so. <laughs> the, the daily comedy here um, that you try not to let get under your skin. It doesn't happen that often now. But yes, it's quite amazing. So yes, it's that, it's that level of kind of self-absorption and reaction and lash out and just the complete inability, inability to actually see anybody else. You're just talking from your point of view and your place. And then when you are in a place of, of distance from everything and you feel very disconnected from everybody, it kind of hurts even more to to not be seen in whatever you're you're actually navigating with everybody else. I've I've found that quite difficult for the last two weeks in particular. As I revisit many of my own school experiences through people I'm working with. And then I go and sit in invisibility of that pain and those experiences that take place in school for people and the degree of suffering and the extent of that beyond for your whole life in in all of the places you go into and all of the places where people ridicule you for your lack of literacy like I'm I'm always entertained like service staff always do this to me if I'm at a table with a, a large group of people I've noticed and we're all well dressed. If I mispronounce something, having kind of had to ask someone's help to read the menu, they will always make a point of correcting me and putting me in my place. Or there's one particular retail stand I go to where the people will always be really condescending with the, the complicated names of something. And I'm like, I, I can't read the names. I can only do this by color. I can't read. And I just, I have nothing to hide in that. And I've kind of achieved enough and in those situations I can kind of answer back. And they're a bit shocked because you're you're not going to be just intimidated because you don't know the complicated names. So, yeah, it's all those moments, really. Like, it it travels through for your, your whole life. Banking is particularly torturous. Anything to do with forms, anything to do with hospitals or health is, is just this form feeling that, that you can't cope with. And, um, and then when you put your title on the page, then you have to justify it all, all over again. So, yeah, like it's, it's an interesting place because, as I said before, like none of that is seen. And I've been feeling that a lot because I've been revisiting it with other people who don't feel comfortable in what they can't do yet. I suppose you're coming to that place where I often think back over the year and 
One of the moments that was very profound for me this year was the passing and the loss of Sinead O'Connor. And people on my Patreon know that and people close to me because I, I spoke about it at the time because one of the things that as well that's really getting under my skin and one of the reasons I've been kind of putting a lot of material and a lot of thoughts into sort of subscription spaces is because I I can tell the people who are trying to make their career right now who are trying to launch their platform and their persona based on what's taking place and so I felt very reluctant to speak about Sinead O'Connor's passing at the time. I'm very aware that for her family, this is coming to the first Christmas and the first holiday period without her. I think it's very difficult, very difficult for everybody. And I think people had this idea that she in some way represented my out-of-the-boxness and there was people in college who who identified me with her when I was much younger and that was kind of when I was drawn to to look at her the I would have been known in, in university for for being outspoken and saying the things that weren't comfortable or palatable or what everyone else wasn't prepared to say or out of the box or <laughs> not not just with the with the, the masses of where you were supposed to fit and and not really caring what anybody thought of that not not needing a popularity in it but for me the part in her passing was that she had suffered a great deal for that and i think if there's anything that's a purpose for me, it's how to do this work, support people, stay in your own lane, but do it and look well, feel well, have your moments of upset, which I've had over the last number of weeks in particular, in the last number of months actually. And if I do step back from things at times, it's because... I'm beginning to suffer too much in the distance of what I'm feeling and where I'm not, not matching the environment I'm not matching. In starting to turn that back on myself in a way to start to, to find like what's, what's wrong with me or why I can't just fit in or why I can't play the games or why I can't just go along with it. When I start get to the place where I start to have that conversation, I start to really turn things back on myself. It's time to take a step back and to kind of really honour myself again. So I've been through that again over the summer. But I, I don't I don't want her to I don't want to suffer like Sinead O'Connor suffered. There was a sense of her needing a huge external validation from outside that I don't want to need. There's a sense of accepting that when you're speaking the truth, like in this little old island right now of Ireland, there ain't very many people on our side. There's not very many people aligned with us, but it's still the truth. And that's been profound for me in the last few weeks. 
I've been incredibly proud to be Irish, which, I'll be honest, I haven't always been. We don't always get it so right, but I do really feel that we've got it really right over the last couple of weeks. And I think we've honored everybody, everybody's suffering in this. I was drawn to go back to some work that I did, I don't know when, it was. It seems like a long time ago now. I'm, I'm gonna put a link into my open source page to the new image I created around this. And the podcaster link from there, I think it's from season six. I went on this journey where I looked at the idea from Buddhism of this five rank system. There's this sense always with spiritual teachers of wanting to put them beyond and they're enlightened and they've reached somewhere and they've done this thing everybody else hasn't done and blah, blah, blah. I will accept that I think that this place of acknowledging suffering, and I actually don't think it's suffering, I think, I think it's not the same as the suffering that we're seeing in Gaza or the suffering that we often put ourselves through. Though actually, that's the choice, and maybe I see that as part of my purpose in, in working with people, is to help them to not suffer. In the same way as I don't, I want to live in my truth, but I don't want to suffer like Sinead O'Connor did for it. There is a sense for me, that the only reason you could say that, like, you know, that, that it was sort of profound, what, what Buddha said, or that it is beyond, is because it's increasingly obvious to me that that third, fourth and fifth stage are very hard to attain to and that I think that people can get to the third stage which I would represent as having a core inside, a place that you go to, a sense of truth, a sense of yourself, a sense of an awareness of how that's different to other people, a sense of acceptance in that, a sense of just a really big awareness of, of your positioning and everybody else's, and just um, a strength in that. The fourth stage is very difficult to get to because there's a sense of emptying out. There's a sense of isolation in it. There's a sense of stillness in it. There's a sense of lack of needs in it. There's a sense of no longer being able to blame other people. There's a sense of no longer needing to react. It's like those moments, I, I don't have to write back to posts on Facebook that I don't like. I don't have to be validated in where I'm seeing from. I don't have to be I don't have to have attention or be acknowledged in that. I don't need a great number of hits for my truth to exist, for the energy of it to exist. And I don't need to suffer in accepting that maybe there are less people for me to align with at that moment. The fifth stage of this which is where I would really like to replace the concept of, of suffering as such and, and, and change that to experience. For me, 
that is an awareness of all of the experience stored in your body. All of it, it's a sense of having integrated that. And in that integration, it no longer harms you and it no longer harms other people. And you have a choice to gift that back in a different form outward to other people in order to support something different. And, and, my, and my best example that I always come back to with this is Victor V. Franklin surviving the Holocaust, surviving the concentration camps to the point that you question whether he actually did survive a concentration camp because he was able to do something so outward and meaningful from that misery, from that experience that he's translated beyond suffering. Whereas when I read Night, I would clarify that as suffering. So I think our concept of what Buddha meant by suffering, for me, is really an awareness and an integration of experience. And in that you stop torturing yourself, in that you take moments as lessons, you take the transient nature of connections and of people, you take the energy of the world, um, both close to you and further away, and you make it less personal. You recognize the times when you're being triggered because you're journeying through other journeys with other people that remind you of the vulnerability and the pain and the misery that you've gone through at moments in school yourself. You accept that other people can't see those, that they can't recognize them, that they can't move beyond that third stage where they're just in themselves and they've developed a certain strength in themselves but it's not being emptied out or translated in a way that they can really reach another point of view. You can't, you can't sort of pivot and take that feeling of vulnerability and apply it to something different to you and, and sit in it. And, th and that for me is those fourth and fifth stages. And they do seem to be difficult to do. I don't believe, I don't have that many role models who've managed to do it. I don't have that many people that I'm aligned with that have managed to do it. I don't always manage to do it. I have moments where I have to take sabbaticals from things because they just become too much. And I start to turn everything on myself and chew myself up. And it doesn't happen very often, but it happens. And we certainly don't have very many people in a position of political leadership capable of this right now. And I think we have an awful lot of role models in terms of spiritual teachers and gurus and the personal development industry that I call them the shiny people. If people are shining right now, 
they're in the third place. They're not in the fourth or fifth because they're not pivoting to the sheer suffering that's taking place in Gaza right now. They're not putting themselves in that. They, there is a tendency to go into this core, to go into stillness, to detach from everything else around you, to be in your own bubble, essentially, that suits you, to not rub up against things, to not be in the grid, to create perfection around you, and to just disengage. And to say that you're doing a lot of other things when you're actually really not doing any of them. So I think I've got an interesting journey in terms of what, what is suffering, what's constructive, what isn't, what do I want, what can I live with, how, how can I actually still show up and do my work, how can I navigate all the bullshit around that, and, and that there is an extraordinary amount of, of supremacy and pedestalization and being better and holding this and doing that, and I just like... I just read it and I'm just like, no. How can we like sit in the discomfort in all of the awareness that we have and see what other people are not reaching to and those moments that we that we go to of total privilege in our own self-absorption. That would be how I would classify right now. Everyone is fighting their square, only identifying with their kind and feeling very justified to do that. And I'm trying to find the kindness and the openness and the humanity and the heart to reach other people who are not reaching me and stay sane.